Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Joel Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson and Jake Galley. Fellas, how are we doing today? Oh, it's a good day today. I had yeah, a really great good day. day. Yeah, I had a great day nice today. Nice outside. Mm-hmm. That was great. All right, facts straight at you. Kyle Murray had the best independent passer rating under pressure in the country. That says a lot because of where he is, where a lot of people expect him to go. Uh, if you're going to go to a bad team, most of the time, your offensive line is pretty bad. Your team is pretty bad. So you got to be comfortable throwing under pressure. And Kyler Murray was the best at that um, in the country last season. And plus, his Oklahoma offensive line wasn't the greatest at many points. So I think that that points to him going very high in the draft. Yeah, and well, a lot of the reason that he's so good under pressure is his ability to escape. He runs with tremendous agility. Uh, he is very small for the quarterback position, however. Five foot ten, 207 is the main worry if I'm an NFL GM and I'm looking for a quarterback. In the top of the draft, I'm going to be a little bit worried about that, but his numbers speak for himself. 42 touchdowns, seven interceptions last year. He's a Heisman winner. He was making all sorts of highlights. He probably could have played in another professional sport. That's something up unto itself. Uh, he was already a uh, first-round pick, a top-ten pick in another sport. Turned down a bag, which I think that's a whole other discussion. I do think he's making the wrong decision. Well, in the first couple of years, you're, like, as a quarterback, you're going to make more than if you're a minor league, right? I guess. If you're the number one pick, which I think he's going to be. I can't remember the exact numbers. Maybe our, our statistician, Stat Mac, can help us out. But I know he turned down another, like, signing bonus option with the A's if he were to sign this year. And go to baseball he turned out another bag um which is crazy but for for different reasons i think he should have chose baseball going back to his football days like he's a amazing quarterback under pressure and on the run had a 115 quarterback rating under pressure which is like incredible and only 17 starts like it's not like kyler murray was a starter his freshman sophomore and junior season like no he was behind baker mayfield he had one season starting and broke out like this at oklahoma and not only that He's also extremely accurate. He ranked top 15 in on-target percentage for every yardage split, meaning 1-5 to five yard passes, 6-10 to 10 yard, 11-15, to 15, and 15 plus. It shows that not only is he moving, but he's also able to hit people while he's moving. There's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL where that is a defining trait, and they're all great quarterbacks. Russell Wilson does it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers does it. Carson Wentz did do it before he got hurt, mm-hmm. and it's an amazing th- thing to see. But if I'm the Arizona Cardinals and I'm sitting at the first spot in the draft, I just picked Josh Frozen. There is a ton of people clamoring to take this kid. I don't know if I can go ahead and take Kyler Murray first in the draft. He might end up being the best quarterback. But with where the Cardinals are at right now, I just don't know if it makes the most sense. Well, here's the thing. For me, you don't draft a quarterback, Josh Frozen, with third overall last year, correct? Like, you don't. Some, he went He went high pick, top 10. You don't draft a quarterback in the top 10, a high first-round pick, for him not to start. Like, even if he doesn't start right away, you're picking a quarterback in that high draft pick to utilize him. You're not going to turn around the next year and pick another quarterback. I get that it's Kyler Murray, but you had chosen Rosen. Like, that's who you spent your bread on. That's who you put your eggs. That's whose basket you put your eggs in. I don't think that they just turn around and draft another quarterback. I know it's a different coach. Cliff Kingsbury has a lot different of a mindset than he had in previous, and he wants to have a really high-powered and high-tempo offense. Kyler Murray does fit that. Right, because right. it's an investment, too, because when, when you put your eggs in one basket, you're, you're thinking about it for the long haul. You're not going to sit here and um, say, oh, yeah, you, you, you one year, see ya. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're going to get the kid a chance. And, I mean, And it was one year. It was like half a year. It was it was, exactly. it was was one year with, with coaching, coaching turmoil, coaching turnover. He had a really bad team. He didn't have the best player on the Cardinals roster in David Johnson to help 
help him out with that running game. So I would see what Josh Rosen can do for you. Because guess what? If you're bad again, you can go back to the draft and pick quarterback the next year because you're probably going to be bad. So Murray, uh, he was offered an additional $14 million on top of the initial $4.6 million that to not enter the NFL draft. <laughs> you're giving me a face. face. Yeah, you're giving me like, a face oh, yeah, baby. Now. Um, I'm taking that bag. But I'm I, I, I think, to the bank. like, if I were to ask you which player straight up without context you would have, I have a hard time thinking you're going to tell me Rosen. No, I, I wouldn't. Without context, no, I'm taking Kyler Murray. I actually didn't like that Josh Rosen that much at UCLA. Um, but they already picked him. There is context around it. Hindsight's also very 2020, so I think that's good. Cool. But I'm focusing on a different quarterback in the draft, a quarterback that I think could help a lot of teams, and that's Dwayne Haskins, big body from Ohio State. Um, for Dwayne Haskins, um, his Q base projects at 51% of a bust. Now, you guys are going to say, like, oh, he's over half a chance to be a bust. you got to think about that stat and how many players are drafted and how many turn out to be bust. To be projected only at 51% is not bad. It's actually pretty good. Like, go back to the draft where Jake Locker and Blaine Gabbert were getting picked huh. in the top 10. Like, huh. just makes me, like... Cringe. cringe heavily cringe hard he has a 28 percent projected chance to be an adequate starter 16 percent chance to be top tier and five percent chance to be elite don't take those numbers for face value really think about those numbers those are telling you that Dwayne Haskins is going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL he's got all the makings of it I mean look 50 touchdowns speaks for itself he annihilated a bunch of records that Drew Brees set for the Big Ten that haven't been nearly touched since, and Dwayne Haskins came in in one year. Ohio State's also very, um, very known for doing this with their quarterbacks, right? Remember Cardell Jones, who took, <laughs> <laughs> who won them a national championship as the third Haskins string? Haskins better than Cardell And he's Jones. better than him, and he's better. And I think a team that really could utilize him is the New York Football Giants. They need him. We talked about this on the last episode. I think the New York Football Giants need a little more yeah, than just him. Of, Let's be real start, here. It'll start with Dwayne Haskins. It'll start with somebody who can – Evade pressure, like he's sneakily mobile. I think the New York Giants need Jesus. They, <laughs> New York Giants need. If we're being honest, they need a blessing, but that blessing can be Dwayne Haskins, and I think it'd be compared very good. Jake, you mentioned their offense last week in last week's episode. I think it'd be very good, and he doesn't turn the ball over. You mentioned Kyler Murray's touchdown interception ratio. Dwayne Haskins goes fifty and eight. Only one more interception than Kyler Murray and eight more touchdowns playing in a league in the Big Ten that plays a lot more defense than the Big 12. And I think something going for Haskins is that he does have that prototypical pocket passer presence and body. He stands at 6'3", 230, and opposed to what Stephen A. Smith will tell you, he is a phenomenal pocket passer. Uh, He's a guy who can deliver the ball. And I know I don't have the stat right in front of me, but there's a lot of – ties to him and Andrew Luck's uh, production in Mm. college. So it would be a good pick for the Giants. Another good pick that you could get later in the draft is Ryquel Armstead from Temple. He's a back that hasn't gotten a lot of buzz. He didn't really play against the top, top competition at Temple, but he blew up the combine. He ran the second fastest 40 time, 4-4-5 for running backs, sixth highest bench with 22 reps. And in terms of his workload, at Temple, he's fourth all-time in AAC, four carries. He's a guy who, if you watch his tape, he wants to kill whoever is in front of him. If you're a team like the Chicago Bears who just traded Jordan Howard, 
maybe this is a guy that you look at later in the round for good value. A team like that, a team like the New Orleans Saints who gave mm-hmm. up their angry runner and Mark Ingram and now only have a finesse runner in Alvin Kamara and are used to that two-back set, they could use an angry runner. They can use someone who averages five yards a pop, which is what he averaged in college. And the reason that I don't discount him for playing at Temple and his production, rather, don't discount his production, is because when you look at what he did versus the best of the best, against Houston, he had a game with 30 carries, 210 yards, and six touchdowns. Oh, by the way, on that Houston defensive line oh, by the way, is Ed Oliver, who's going to be a top 10 pick. I'm very impressed by this kid watching him play and having called some of the games that he's played in. Uh, he's got a good head on his shoulders. But when we look into the analytics, backcast is a statistic showing what a running back will gain as opposed to the average drafted running back on a given play. I know that that can be a little confusing, but his backcast is minus 14.3%. Not ideal, but like I said, he's a power runner, so not going to be breaking those big long runs. And, yeah, the power can show in much more than just his yards per carry. I mean, six modes bench press reps for a running back, and that's fourth all-time in AAC history and carry. He's a workhorse, man. He had 22 reps at the combine. He's a beast. He's a runner. But uh, a one who I'm really looking at is this running back from from Iowa State. You hear about this guy? This man, David Montgomery, mm-hmm. running all over the Big 12 last year. Like, David Montgomery was really a huge beast. And you talked about Armstead's back cast. Let me tell you about David Montgomery's back cast at 24%. So that's almost like direct inverse of Armstead. Um, and he's, he's just going to be a huge monster. He's a great back with a lot of speed and great vision. You can see how he hits holes at Iowa State and how he really just mucked up defense. Also, what's really underrated about his game is how he can get out of the backfield and catch passes. We know the way the NFL is trending. You want your running backs to be able to do more than just run the ball. you got to be able to aid in the passing game. It's what it's earned Le'Veon Bell such prowess in the NFL is that not only is Le'Veon Bell the best running back on most teams, he's like the second-best receiver on most teams. I don't think Montgomery will be that high, but I will link him to Le'Veon Bell as a dual threat to get out of the backfield and catch some passes. Yeah, and, you know, I do think Montgomery is a little underrated. A lot of the mock drafts that you'll see out there will have Josh Jacobs of Alabama being the first back taken, I'm not really in love. He re- he reminds me a lot of T.J. Yeldon, a former back who is a little bit taller, upright, mm. um, and was in a committee there. Josh Jacobs runs with a little bit more power than T.J. Yeldon. Not a lot more power than T.J. Josh Jacobs runs kind of angry. And j- just a parting shot at Josh Jacobs. He has a minus 39% back cast. So if you are looking for a power back, I really do like Armstead and for workhorse back Montgomery as well. I know who you also like. My man's out of Kentucky who torched Temple, Benny Snell. Snell, yeah. (laughs) Snell, yeah. That guy's awesome. He has a really great personality, which is really what first drew me to him. Uh, If you watch his, like, I think it's like an E60 or some sort of production with him in the center of it, and he has, like, a mouthpiece that has a propeller fan in it. Mm. So when he goes by people, it's like a... Makes a sound. And he's just a good guy. Uh, Was a total workhorse for Kentucky was the majority of their offense. He's another underrated guy. And look, it doesn't say a lot about your performance, but you if you have swag at the running back position. Oh, he has tons of swag. It's it's one of the positions that you like swag carries you running back and wide receiver. If you have the swag, that'll take you a long way. I really like Benny Snell. We shouldn't overlook him. Um, but let's go. Let's talk about wide receiver and running backs. You got someone who you really like at wide receiver. Yeah, a lot of people will say DK Metcalf. I say Hakeem Butler is going to be the best player in terms of wide receivers out of this draft class. He's 6'5", 227. He's a load. 
He had 60 catches, 1,318 yards, nine touchdowns. That puts him at 22 yards per catch, uh, which is phenomenal. Over his career, he averaged 19.5 yards per catch, which ranks third all-time in the Big 12. And 25 receptions of of 25 or more yards in 2018 is second in the nation He's been working with Calvin Johnson. He has a big frame. I really like this kid. Uh, in layman's terms, dude's a playmaker. Dude's an impact player, as Lee Corso likes to say. Put one of those little white bubbles around him if you're playing NCAA because he can just take the top off a of defense, and he's a big body too. He compares a lot to like Jarvis Landry in the NFL. Jarvis Landry's a great receiver. He's the number one receiver right now for the trending Cleveland Browns. Um, Akeem Butler, something that's really good is his playmaker rating. So playmaker rating is a stat that's based on Division I receivers drafted from like 96 to 2016, and it measures the prospect's best or peak season in receiving yards per team attempt. So it basically say like his best year in receiving yards, it's going to rate him. Akeem Butler is at a 93.8% among wide receivers in this draft. There's not many better wide receivers in this draft who have a better playmaker rating. And that, that word playmaker really sticks out to you because at the wide receiver position, that's all you looked at to do is to make plays. And so he is 6'5". He ran a 4'4'8". Four, four, like, to me, when you put some muscle on this guy, who's you can put press coverage on him if you want. He's going to shed that and get deep downfield. He's huge, so he has these big, long strides. Mm. He had a vert jump of 36 inches. Whatever team drafts him is really going to get a steal. Can we just talk about something for a quick second that at – 19, 20, 21 years old, how just bionic these players are coming out of college. Like, it's really, like, morphed over time. Like, you're seeing running backs put up 22 to 25 reps in the bench press. You're seeing wide receivers at 6'4", you know, 180 pounds running a 4'4'40". Like, these are, like, gargantuan human beings. Like, like just too big in any sport. And, like, it, and it's really ridiculous. Like, you've seen DK Metcalf. You, I know you saw that picture of DK Metcalf. I've seen Metcalf. all the DK Metcalf content. You think to go with the bad, though, too, because you think about it, like, hey, um, these kids have a lot of muscle on them. It sometimes comes with a lot of injuries, too. You it gotta, you, the, it's very important. The more muscle you have, the more muscles you can tear. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and it's also part in part because they're preparing for this combine. Now, knowing how important it is, it kind of masks maybe what they truly will be. A lot of these guys are coming in not at their playing weight, and then they'll run and jump off the chart, and then when you get them in camp, they're just really not that good at playing football. That's why a lot of the time scouts will rely heavily on tape rather than You should, yeah, because just like it's you said. It's a mix of both. You but. can train for the combine. And players seek out personal trainers to train me just for the drills at the combine because it's the same drills every year. Honestly, have that training psychological, too. Yeah, if you really want to break it down, like, have the battle really is, like, on a psychological standpoint between that and, like, your health, too. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a strict health diet. Mm-hmm. You know, just, like, all they combined, you really you got to be nitpicky about it. Yeah, and where I have him projected, I think he would – slot very well in the second round the Raiders have the third pick he is a Raider he has Raiders pick written all over him if they don't jump on DK Metcalf uh I mean the Raiders are good at messing up picks but I think if they go with Butler it's hard to mess the Raiders I won't say they're good at messing up they're good at it picks (laughs) (laughs) no you're wrong (laughs) no this is because they got their picks right they just don't work out for their team like Amari Cooper was looked at for a bust a little bit and then he goes to the Cowboys and he's a great player Derek Carr's bust I'll give it (laughs) I'll give you that one. I feel bad. It's because of the back injury, but it, I mean, it is what it is at this I point. I think it's because the, the Raiders have a lot of issues going on, and, you know, 
bringing Chucky in doesn't really help anything. I'm looking at an underrated player, also from Ohio State. I don't know why I'm loving Ohio State so much on this podcast, because I kind of don't like Ohio State, just a natural Penn State fan. But my man's Paris Campbell out of Ohio State. Like, I don't think he's going to be a huge, like, uh, a high-round pick, a, a top pick, but I think whoever gets Paris Campbell in the draft gets a steal. Like, you want to talk about speed and hands? Paris Campbell out of Ohio State was tearing stuff up. I mean, he ran a 4-3-1 at the 40, so he's got blazing speed and great hands to match. Now, if you look at his game log, like it's, it's going to look weird because he had some games where he has 22 yards, and then he has some games where he has 192 yards, but he has his best games against the best teams. Against Michigan, and that statement win that Ohio State had against Michigan, he had six catches for 192 yards. He was lighting them up, and he's he plays a lot of like the slot positions. Mm-hmm. So they, they compare him a lot to like Tavon Austin and players like that, Julian Edelman, players who play in the slot. But he's got the speed, the hands, and the toughness to really blow the top off of teams. I think whoever gets Paris Campbell gets a very, very, very good player. Yeah, his 40 time made him a lot of money. It did make him a lot of money. And the, the analytics don't love Paris Campbell. They don't really support him because a lot of players blow up in their junior years. Okay, that's the most and then important. leave. And right. then leave. It's the most important year in college football. Paris Campbell didn't really blow up until his senior year. But when he blew up, he blew up like a hot air balloon. Well, it's kind of tough with Michael Thomas raking in all the catches for a lot of the time that you're out there. Um, It'll put in Michael Thomas for one year. Right, that's true. But before we move on to the defensive side of the ball, I just want to give quick mention to TJ Hawkinson, the tight end out of Iowa. Both the top tight ends this year are out of Iowa. And in terms of – and the other one I'm referencing is Noah Fant, who is more of an athletic build – TJ Hawkinson's athletic, but in a different way. 6'5", 251, blocks extremely well, knows how to use his body, runs great routes. He's going. He, people compare him to George Kittle. Mm-hmm. He's going to make a great NFL tight end. Well, I think the team that could really utilize him is the Bills. And uh, I don't know if they're really going to take him that high in the first round with the ninth pick, but the Bills are someone who could really use that. He's a great pass blocker, like you said, can aid in their pass blocking, but he's also going to help a young quarterback out like Josh Allen. Coming back from that um, shoulder, from the shoulder injury that uh, – kept him out a lot of last season he's going to help him a lot aid in the passing game and also give him a great safety net as a tight end a big target so he can get to yeah bills might be a little ambitious just two tight ends have been picked higher than 20th in the past decade Uh, that could change with how important they're becoming you see the emergence of zach Ertz, kelsey kittle they're now becoming more parts of and that's really very pivotal gronkowski and graham especially if you can take a tight end and move him out wide it creates a huge matchup Mm -hmm. nightmare because you can't put a safety on him because he's too slow you can't can't put a corner on him because he's too small um but let's do go to that defensive side of the football because someone i really like that can really wreak havoc for a lot of offenses is this dude same name josh allen out of kentucky (laughs) um six five a two two sixty two and he's just a beast 17 sacks 21 and a half tackles for loss uh, five forced fumbles, AP first team All of American. Like it just, it, it the numbers speak for himself. And if you watch this dude out of Kentucky, like dude is just a beast. You know how Khalil Mack could sometimes go through an offensive line. Aaron Donald does it too, and move an offensive line with one arm. And you say it doesn't make sense. Watch Josh Allen's tape because he did that a couple times, and it's just like, ooh, like how do you do? <laughs> like how do you do that? How yeah, and when you look into the analytics for Allen, they like him. His Saxier rating, which really quick, Saxier is based on statistical analysis of all the tools that players have in terms of their explosiveness index. They look at the 40-yard dash, vertical leap, broad jump, things like that, and then they compare it and mix it with their production in college. 
it projects him out to have 26.3 sacks, similar to Ryan Kerrigan, which if you're picking Ryan Kerrigan with, like, I don't know, any 5 through 10, anywhere through there, which I think Allen will go, that's a huge win for your franchise. Yeah, he's a very explosive pass rusher. You you mentioned Ryan Kerrigan. He reminds me a lot of Von Miller, just that raw, straight-edge rusher. And they're going to – look, they're going to bring him in. You say, you got one job, and that's to get at the quarterback. If the quarterback's chewing gum, I want to know the flavor. Like, that's just all – that's all they're going to worry about with Josh Allen, and I think that's all he's really going to look to. Um so shout out Football Insiders for all these advanced stats, by the way. We don't want to act like we're outsiders. That's what I say. Insiders. Inside, outside, outside outsiders. upside down. Same thing. Same football shit. outsiders. <laughs> get their name right. Shout out Football Outsiders for the advanced stats. We don't want to act like we're coming off the top of our head. Also shout out our statistician, Stat Matt Robinson, for finding all these stats. But then let's go to another player who you really like, uh, Jonathan Abram out of Mississippi State, defensive back. Yeah, he's a safety, 5'11", 205. He had 99 tackles on the year. The stats really don't do him justice. He was on a good Mississippi State defense, and he is an extremely hard hitter. Reminds you of a smaller Cam Chancellor. He sheds blocks at an incredible rate. I, mean, I was watching film where he took on Iowa, and we were just talking about TJ Hawkinson and how great of a blocker he is. And he is a good blocker. And Abram was throwing him around like a little kid, like just like a dog playing with its toy, tossing him out of the way. I was astounded. He ran a 4-4-5. He can do a lot of things for you. He's going to be a great support safety that can come up and maybe even be a linebacker, which we've seen a lot of teams go to. Very Cam Chancellor-like. Yeah. And very also Malcolm Jenkins-like, the way he likes to roam almost around the line of scrimmage and big body. Also want to give a shout-out to another D-back who is flying up draft boards, but still don't a lot of people know about him. This dude, Nasir Adderley, right mm-hmm. down the road here at University of Delaware, ooh, was, is a beast. Is a beast of a player, and someone's going to have to take this man maybe in the first round. Yeah, I could see it happening. There are some teams later in the first round that do need safeties. Uh, someone who was projected to be taking a safety in a few mock drafts were the hometown Eagles, so mm-hmm. he might not be going very far. I don't know if he goes all the way up into the first round. I could definitely see him being taken in that early to middle second round. I'll tell you what, my buck well, my Buccaneers need a whole lot more than a safety. But my Buccaneers could use a safety. I wanna I wanna focus on the linebacker. I don't give suit. a damn about your Buccaneers. Let's uh no one talk does. about my hometown Sixers, please. Let's let's bring out the Sixers. Okay, we'll see we'll talk about it. before we want to talk about the Sixers, I wanna talk about the Damian Lillard show that was put on Tuesday night against the Thunder. Logo Lillard, you called him in the first. By yes, the way, sir. that's starting to catch on nationally. Oh, yeah. I think we beat a lot of people in the Logo Lillard <laughs> nickname because um, I'm going to have to put that. That may be like second team all nickname. That may not get the first team. I don't know. Status. The more he, he hits those Logo The more he shots, does it, I yeah. Mean, that shot last night was bonkers. He uh, pulled up from the logo on Paul George. Yeah, and, and listen, Paul George made the point that he thought it was a bad shot. And for all intents and purposes, Paul George was right. Like Damian Lillard, if you watch that, if you watch that clip, watch watch Damian Lillard's buzzer beater. He is setting up from the logo. He's standing in the middle of the Blazers logo. Right, he's sizing you up at half court. At like, half what do you think is about to happen? He thinks he's about to run a play. He doesn't think he's about to step sidestep and then hit a three off him. So Paul George is right that that's a bad shot. And for all intents and purposes, like you don't have to let him shoot it. But Paul George isn't going to go aggressively defend him because then if you aggressively defend him too much, you get called for a foul. Oh, he makes that three. shot. He makes that shot. Like. I don't really blame Paul George. What Who I blame is none other than Russell Westbrook, 11 of 31. He shot them out of the game. Even though he had a triple-double, which he loves to get his triple-doubles, he was 4 of 11 from 3. You had Jeremy Grant, who was 7 of 8. Steven Adams, who's 5 of 8. Paul George was 14 of 20. It's like 
I was getting like flashbacks of when Kevin Durant would just disappear at the end of games because Russell Westbrook would choke the life out of him. And it happened again. I Look, Russ is going home here, and I'm going to say this. And I don't, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying it is now a possibility to happen. Uh-oh. Kevin Durant is a free agent at the end of this season. He has accomplished all that he set out to accomplish at Golden State. He's probably going to leave with three rings on his finger. And? I think this loss for Oklahoma City opens up the door for Kevin Durant to come back to OKC. I do. I think it's possible. I Look, I don't think it will happen. Like, if I was a betting man, I'd still bet on him going to the Knicks or another team before the Thunder. I'm just saying, before Russell Westbrook flunked out of the playoffs for the past couple years, it wasn't a possibility. Now, hopefully, Russell can kind of realize, okay, I need to take a step back. I need to be a more calming, controlling force, and I need to get my teammates involved. And if he can do that and you pair him with Kevin Durant, they're probably now, once again, the most promising team in the West. Because I, I'm going to say that that's I don't disagree with that hot take a lot, but I think a lot of Russell Westbrook's game that needs to be fixed isn't his play. It's like his his mentality and how he approaches the game. Look, he already, he already did kind of take a step back when Paul George came. Paul George was the MVP candidate this season, not Russell Westbrook. And, and he still averages triple double. But and and to to your point and to Russell Westbrook's point, he does think he gets his teammates involved because he averages more than ten assists. A it's game. not always a bad thing either because a lot of the time when you're up close and personal and signaling out one thing, you don't see the full picture. When you t- take a chance to step back and see the entire scenario, you, you kind of become more of a calm and collected person. Mm-hmm. And I think that he realized that yeah. essentially. Uh, Kenny Judd Smith made a good point on inside the NBA. He said that Russell Westbrook is on one hundred percent on one hundred percent go one hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And while that mentality is good like I want a player to always try to be at 100% in the course of an NBA game especially in the playoffs when the game gets slowed down a little bit you have to be more strategic you can't be 100% 100% of the time if that makes sense there are times you got to ratchet it down to 50% got to go back up to 80 got to come down to 30 and call a play Russell Westbrook is unable to do that anytime he thinks it's always got to be on 100% going he's too fast got to be able to control your emotions and it's it's really not that big of a problem in the regular season it's just in the playoffs where every possession matters and he just full board does not care about context let me let me take this let me put this out of there he missed more shots than the rest of the Oklahoma City team combined (laughs) I'm gonna say that one more time hope you guys listening Missed more shots than the rest of the OKC team combined. He missed 20. They missed 19. That Well, that that is really the story right there. That's how it That's, always goes. But That's I'm, the old song I'm, ta- I'm tired of talking about Russ because we slam him. It's been slammed. I want to give praise, and that's to my man's Damian Lillard. We got to talk about him more. He was 8 for 12 on shots for 30-plus feet in the series. Remember in the very first episode when I said he was living beyond 30 feet? Like, literally took out a timeshare at the logo and was living there. Damian Lillard was amazing this series, and he elevated his team's play. You made the point about Enos Cantu. You didn't think Enos Cantu was going to come in and do the things that Enos Cantu was doing. I think he was able to do that because of what Damian Lillard was doing and the positions that he was being put in. Yeah, Damian Lillard, and what's most impressive to me about Dame is that he's improved year after year after year. They had so, a huge embarrassment. And they were all-star. He was all-star every year to improve as an all-star and still improve. It's very hard to do. Especially, and he comes back this year after getting bounced last year by the Pelicans just a great overall feel-good story it's almost it's almost like the Virginia getting bounced by a 16 seed and then coming back and winning the national tournament Mm. like okay don't listen he's not he didn't win the national tournament he's probably not going to win the finals but he got swept last year by a Pelicans team that didn't have boogie 
So to bounce back from that, get the same exact seed in the playoffs, and then take out a it's hot similar. OKC it's not team, the same. it's not the same, but it's pretty freaking similar. And he had to deal with a C.J. McCollum who battled foul trouble last night, who was in and out of the game. Like, Damon Lillard willed them 50 points at a closeout series. That 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 works wonders. Joel, you ready to talk about your Sixers? Thank now? God, man. You really <laughs> hurt my ears well, over here. Okay, but well we had to give some shine to Dame. We I'm had to give some shine to Dame. Here. I'm having, like, hot flashes. Right, like, I'm going to jump out of my chair right what? now. But why are you having hot flashes? They took care of the Nets. Isn't they that took good? care of him in the first five minutes, and that's exactly my point. And okay. Bede only played 20 minutes. He only needed to play 20 points, I should say. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. They murdered it last night. I absolutely loved every second of it. My question to you is what do they need to do to strategize against the Raptors going into game one for them? I I think Embiid's got to be better in the low post. Now, he was facing inferior low post players. He's going to be facing, I won't say superior, but he's going to be facing very good and very veteran low post players against the Raptors in Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. He's not going to be able to have his way like he does with little bummy What about our boy Kawhi that we talked about all last episode? Kawhi. I mean, I have respect for the guy. You can't, you can't come in hating Kawhi. He does work. Here's what I'm going to say about Kawhi. Right, well, well, until he's really displeased and forces his way out. He still I'm sure there's a lot of people. He still didn't say anything. I'm sure there's a lot of people in pout. San he just had Antonio a pout on his face. Yeah. who have no problem hating Kawhi. But Embiid only averages 14 points per game on 34% versus Marcus Gasol. That's something that concerns me. Granted, Marcus Gasol was in a different system when they played all those games, he was with that grit and grind Grizzlies system. They had the two teams have not actually played since Toronto acquired Gasol and the Sixers acquired Harris. So what we're going to see will be two teams figuring each other out in real time. I can't wait to watch it. For me, the biggest thing I'm keying on is Ben Simmons and his ability to take care of the rock. Versus he's gonna, well, he's going to draw the Kawhi matchup, and and we know what the claw can do. He can really suffocate people on defense. Ben Simmons averages eight turnovers a game against Kawhi, and it was only in three games. But Kawhi has a little bit of a beat on Ben Simmons. What I think that means is Brett Brown's got to do some strategizing. So this is my thing. As far as strategy goes, you this – is, this is not a maybe. This is a must with the Raptors. You – must be proactive early uh, as far as JJ and Tobias go. You hear right? I, with shooting, like it's just like it's a must. Like especially, you know, you, you guys kind of lock You're how you're how how emphasized she made that point. I, you must be. I'm very passionate about it. <laughs> <You> <laughs> I'm be. literally like over top of you right now talking about it because I'm so hype over it. It's it's a must. It's it's not that's no question. I think JJ Reddick's got to establish himself early in this series. Like that three point shot that JJ Reddick can bring. If he's go if he if JJ Reddick goes absent with the three point shot against the Raptors things can go very bad and look very ugly for the Sixers because it's going to be someone who's not providing them anything on defense and also not providing anything. I think if they lock down game one, they, they're going to win the series, personally. Really? I do. Yeah, I do. Oh, if you steal one in Toronto, which Toronto loves letting people steal from them game one. I mean, you got Sticky it... Kyle Lowry in game one. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, what is most interesting aside from that simmons Kawhi matchup is now you have two forces where last season didn't exist on either team of Tobias Harris at the four and Pascal Siakam at the Mm, four. Those are two forces who, when going, are pivotal for their team. If if Tobias Harris, as we saw in the middle of that series, for the Sixers, when he's going, when he's hitting his shots, the Sixers team is nearly unbeatable. But Kawhi also, or Kawhi, I'm sorry, but Tobias Harris also took a while to get going in that Brooklyn Mm -hmm. Nets series. And I don't think that if he gets off to a slow start, he can turn it up as high against Toronto, who's a very good defensive team. You know what I mean? Um, J.J. Redick, Shot 41% from three last last series against the Nets. He's going to have to shoot a little bit higher than that. Um, but the Sixers also have a lot of players who can guard Kawhi. That's true. And the, the Raptors don't have a lot of players who can guard Ben Simmons. Should Bobby be playing? What do you think? 
Bobby's gonna have to. Gonna look, have Bobby, to. Bobby has been. Be serving some cheesesteak at Del Sandro. I can't. I I can't believe I'm about to say this, but Boban Marjanovic has been one of the most productive players for the Sixers in the playoffs. I cannot. I can't believe it's those just words his, just came no, out of my mouth. No, just first the Nets. They're very small they've off only, the bench. They've only played one. But that's in what the I'm playoffs. saying. Like when you stick him in there against the Raptors, I don't know that. We'll see. We'll see. Because I was under the impression Boban wasn't going to get much run at all. He proved himself by hitting a lot of mid-range jumpers, which, for whatever reason, his seven six self loves Part taking. He thinks it's a little bit of a fluke, but I, I got his. It looks a, like a fluke every time right, it goes in. Exactly. That's what I kind of side with Jake on this, but uh, Boban Boban has the highest per in NBA history. Okay. He's the greatest <laughs> player ever. I mean, what is there to say? He's a giant. He's really a giant. It it, it really does boil boil it down to that. And what's the biggest one? Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse versus Brett Brown. Who wins that matchup? Brett That's Brown. The biggest Brett matchup. Brown, baby. Come on. <sighs> Jewel, it's time to move on because Jake is now delusional. Right, let's head over to crossover. <laughs> that's crossover. So we're going to debut a new segment today. We call it crossover. So what we do is we're going to take one pop culture figure or one sports figure, and you have to match them up with the opposite genre. So, Jake, I'm going to give you Kanye. Who is the Kanye West of sports? Well, Considering someone who would have crazy nonsensical rants, mm-hmm. dis- distances himself from his disciples, mm-hmm. but has immense talent. Mm-hmm. Did you say that because it was just Easter? That was a pre- that was pretty good. Disciple thing. Disciple. I did not. I'm Jewish. Uh, <laughs> but someone who sounds a lot like that would be Mr. Kanye AFC West, Antonio Brown. <laughs> Definitely heard that from. Somebody. Oh, I heard it online. I forget exactly who had it, but Antonio Brown. He cut the as his mustache dyed uh, blonde, which Kanye dyed his hair. He has a great backstory. Kanye coming from Chicago, A B being picked as nobody, nobody loves in. Kanye as much Kanye loves Kanye. Right, no one well, loves A B as much as A B loves A B. Right, and and here's the thing. Here's what why that works so well is because Kanye lost his damn mind. A B lost his damn mind, but Kanye didn't lose his musical talent. AB didn't lose his football talent. Mm-hmm. Them boys just lost. Them boys just went off the deep end somewhere. <laughs> and they both dyed their hair funky colors. Okay. They both don't know what they're doing. And they both now have put themselves in like weird ass positions that they can still succeed, but still people are talking about you're not as in a good a spot as you were if you didn't lose your damn mind. <laughs> you're hurting my feelings over here a little bit because anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge Kanye fan. I, I, so is he. So has, is Jake. So part of me still has hope that he's going back to the college dropout thing. Well, well, here's the thing. Have you have you seen the whole Sunday service thing that he's doing? Um, what was like it? Sunday. So he's showing his face more on the Kardashian show too, which is making me happy. That is. I don't know what that means. The Sunday <laughs> service was leading up to his performance at Coachella, where mm-hmm. he did give yeah. a service on Easter. It was at like a very artistically shot. You can go on YouTube and find it. It's but it was phenomenal. That's what I'm saying. Like Kanye lost his mind. He didn't lose his musical genius. The samples and the stuff we're about to get on this next upcoming album, Yandi, I think are going to be really good. And I, mean, I think, he, and I think the season we're about to get from Antonio Brown on the Raiders is going to be really good. Difference is he's and he says it in one of his songs. I don't use the same attitude that that, that God, God is here. here. He always Antonio Brown has never been like this. That's true. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> He's always lit- he's been a little bit like that in the locker. Remember when he recorded on Facebook Live? Oh, yeah. Mike Tomlin well, going crazy. Well, I feel like it's like as soon as you get good as a wide receiver, your craziness level just has to increase. It really is something. Your diva level. It's really <laughs> something in the contract. I don't know what it is. Um, so I'm gonna go next. Mine is Thanos, who is the Thanos of the sports world. 
I think that's pretty easy. One LeBron James out there, LaThanos mm. out there in L.A. There's a lot of similarities between these two. One, when LeBron gets all his Infinity Stones, he's the most unstoppable player in the universe. His Infinity Stones being two All-Stars. You give LeBron two All-Stars, ain't, ain't no one going to stop him, okay? Colors are purple and gold, like Thanos, his mm. skin in his suit. That's a good one, right? And the Warriors, these little, these little, I don't want to say the word, these little baby Warriors had to literally assemble the Avengers to beat one 33-year-old man. Draymond Green had to call Kevin Durant from the parking lot to say, we need you to, de- to defeat this man, just like the Avengers had to defeat Captain Marvel. No one put Captain Marvel in Infinity War spoilers, by the way, because I haven't seen either of them. But they're just very they're very synonymous. Also, LeBron can snap his fingers like that and eliminate half of the NBA world, that yep. being the Eastern Conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, he's definitely the most powerful being in the NBA universe, has been for a long time, and when he wants something, he's going to get it. He's, it's just really nothing. He, 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 he'll sacrifice whoever he needs to sacrifice in order to get it. Thanos sacrificed Gamora, and <laughs> <laughs> LeBron will th- sacrifice whoever and whatever he needs. LeBron sacrificed David Blatt in, in, order, in order to get his he ring. He also has his underlings, Udonis Haslam and James Jones. James uh, Jones, really. I mean, like, I like LeBron team to team. I think James Jones is the most, like, the player – who's benefited the most in NBA history because James Jones has, what, three rings that he did not work for, that he didn't do anything for. He's a for. locker room guy. And he really is a great just locker room guy. I think that's the, why LeBron bought him. But, Jewel, you're next. And Jewel had – she said she had an out-of-the-box one for us. Give us one. Give us one. You know where I'm going with this. Jared Dudley. Uh, have you, uh, haven't we done enough to Jared Dudley? No, nope, we have not, and we never will. Okay. So, um, this is my thing. A 2011 film. Have you ever seen the Smurfs? Who hasn't seen the Smurfs? <laughs> oh, I like this. <laughs> you see where this is going? There's so many different characters. You know, I could go in with, uh, there's the Grouchy Smurf. There's the, um, hmm, there's the Crazy Smurf. There's the, um, uh, let's see here. Um, How about the Gives Useless the Minutes Off the Smurf. Bench? There's the Clumsy Smurf. I go He's definitely clumsy. He's def- to me, Jared Dudley looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy, does he not? I think he looks like a Smurf is what I think he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely. But here's the thing, that each of the Smurfs had a crazy talent that aided them and helped them go along. Jared Dudley doesn't have a talent. He's the useless Smurf. I was paralleling with his looks more so. Yeah, that's true. I'll give him Clumsy Smurf. You know why? Because Clumsy Smurf doesn't do anything really, but he did one job good to help them at the end of that movie. I'm a little embarrassed that I know the Smurf movie so well. I got little brothers and sisters, okay? We watch the Smurf. Nah, you watch that every night. It's a great movie. Neil Patrick Harris is in it. Phenomenal actor. And Clumsy Smurf did one thing to help him. Jared Dudley did one thing, and that was getting Jimmy Butler a job. Um, He also was extremely intimidated by my 76ers, and he let his insecurities come out. So that's another. He's acting like a little infant child, to be be honest. All right, all right, all right. I'm a Sixers fan, too. And... As someone who's not very good at basketball, I can relate to Jared Dudley because when you're out there on that court and you're not giving anything on offense or defense, you better make the other team upset. Yeah, that's what you got Like, you got to do something. That's what I was saying. just sit there. That's what I was saying. I guarantee you when Jared Dudley went back to the locker room after getting Jimmy Butler ejected, he was was greeted with nothing but high fives and hugs. That's that's all he was there to do. Mission accomplished. You can't tell me Jared Dudley's a starter on on a playoff team. You just can't tell me that. that. That's crazy. So I, I, Jewel, I like, <laughs> I like the Smurf one. That might have been the best one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think Lothanos was the best one. But that's all right, let's hit it off for the countdown. Number five, boys. Number of games it took the Sixers to beat the Nets. Same amount of games it's going to take for the Sixers to beat the Raptors. 
you're going to have to get over it. Like, you're such a, a Philly sports fan that, hmm. like, you just, when one thing good happens, you can't let it go and you got to carry it. And it just blinds you for everything else that's about to happen next. Hmm. Okay. Watch your Sixers get okay. bounced by the Raptors. Four. Number four, and that's the number of playoff wins Russell Westbrook has in the last three years. We've talked about Russell Westbrook a lot in today's show, and it's just a simple point. If Russ doesn't change his game, Russ will not have success past the first round of the playoffs. Said it before, I'll say it again, KD is the only thing that could save Russell Westbrook from himself. What we talk about, NMPG. Not my point guard. Three. The number of first-round picks for the Raiders in this draft. As I said, they're very good at messing up picks. I'm sure two of the three of these picks will be busts. You're not going to hear what I have to say. The Raiders, I think, are trending upwards. I think John Gruden finally now has that first year washed under his belt. Now he's going to move picks. And he told the general manager, get me my picks. That's what we need. He got him his picks. We'll see. Number two. Number two, and that's the number of series-winning buzzer beaters Damian Lillard has hit. In his NBA career, do, do people not remember the 2015 buzzer beater he hit to send the Rockets out in the first round? Series of claps yeah. followed by a dagger. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bang. And that Damian Lillard, uh, here's my statement. Damian Lillard will go down as probably the most underappreciated player in NBA history. Dude is a bona fide star, probably a Hall of Famer, a superstar right now. And for some reason, he loves to get, he get the NBA loves to pass him up on all NBA opportunities, all-star opportunities, that people got to appreciate Damian Lillard more. Agreed. All right, fellas, number one. Number of pro bowlers the Cardinals have drafted in the first round in the past 10 drafts, that being Patrick Peterson. You want to talk about messing up some draft picks? I think they're going to do another bust in the first round with the first overall pick of Kyler Murray. Not bust in the sense that I think he'll be bad, but I just think that he's the wrong pick. They'll fumble that pick as they love to fumble uh, a lot of picks. It shows it. The the proof is in the pudding there. All right, we move to the last segment at the buzzer. Jake, do you have anything to say at the buzzer? Here's what I'll say. If you are standing in line with someone, James, you and I were just in suits in a very crowded room today. You got to give me some space, okay? I'm wearing a suit. I'm wearing a tie. I'm buttoned up. I'm sweating like all hell. Please back up, and I don't want to feel your chest on my back while we're waiting in line. Like, I just, I just can't have it happen. There's so many things that happen when people don't know personal space oh, in lines. So cool. The breath, The breathing. The breathing that happens. I want to be able to hear you breathing. And plus, I don't know if y'all know this, but a lot of y'all don't smell that good. So when I'm standing really close to you in a hot, crowded area, I'm not going to say I smell the best either. I don't want to smell you. Like, please... Please just get out of here. Julie, have anything to say? Yeah, I do have a couple things to say. Uh, Specifically, I know we didn't touch on the Phillies too much today, but the Phillies clubhouse, come on, man. What are you doing? What are you doing, Jake Arrieta? Why are you throwing your man under the bus? Come on, figure it out. He was basically kind of undermining his own teammate. Like, what are you doing? He did it last year, so I don't know why he does it. Jake, Jake the snake. For sure, huh? Take the snake. That's him. I don't want to say. I don't want to say. That's a bad look. I'll say one thing at the buzzer. The weather is starting to get nice. Um, The sun is shining. The birds are chirping. And all my friends out there who are listening to this, I want to take advantage of this summer. I need more cookouts. I need more pool parties. I need more trips to the beach. If anyone want to come with me to the zoo or the aquarium, that's fine. I'm making moves this summer. I'm tired of sitting in the house and sitting around not doing anything when it's all nice. We hitting Phillies games. We hitting it all. Let's just please everybody take advantage of the summer and while it's here. Because before you know it, it's going to be cold again. And James gets miserable when it's cold. But that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Big ups to our producers, Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and Stat Matt Robinson behind the camera. From my partner, Jewel Schmitz. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. From my partner, Jake Galley, I'm James Jackson. And these have been the facts. Straight up.